Welcome to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager, and I'm here with Jeremy Nelson. And if you've been listening to uh, this podcast, uh, you know that it's available at silverbridgeranch.org because we're coming to you from those studios, and we're on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. And we're thankful that uh, Jeremy spent some time with us. He's at he's in Indianola, yep. Iowa. Yep. And, uh, you know, I always thought that Iowa is just one big farm field. It pretty much is. It, yeah. it is. How do you have people there, then? I, I thought it was... Uh, so you do small though small pockets of people oh, yeah okay we're, we're by Des Moines and Des Moines is actually a pretty good metro area it's got everything you'd want uh, are there big sports teams there mm, minor leagues okay there's an arena football team oh there is yeah yeah okay I didn't know they still played that actually <laughs> yeah the barnstormers perfect name for like, it. like I'm talking we're from northern Wisconsin yeah. right? we do have the Green Bay Packers yeah but the whole city of Green Bay, I understand, is the same size as uh, Arlington Heights, a suburb of Chicago area. So yeah, it's wild. not a very big place to have a team yeah. from. But I think everybody in Green Bay must go to the game, plus, yeah. plus their relatives. <laughs> I, I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. It's a unique place. It's pretty cool what they got going on. Yeah. So it's kind of fun to be a part of. Now, you've been a, I, I want to say a pastor, but mm-hmm. it's been youth pastor, different roles. Yep. Uh, how many years? Eight years. Now, is it was this the plan for you? You you when you were a young person going through, you went to church in Racine, Kenosha. Kenosha. Yep. Okay. Uh, Kenosha Racine. Same yeah, thing. Same thing. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Sorry. Much. No, that's true. Um, and did you always want to be a youth pastor? What was the plan early? No, uh, I think in middle school and high school, I realized I wanted to, to do something to help people, and my initial thought for several years was to be a firefighter or paramedic okay. uh, some combination of that and then throughout many years of youth group and some mentoring from different small group leaders and youth pastors I was encouraged to consider this and it started to become that was only like small bits and pieces from them that they just suggested it um, but didn't really push it too hard and I somehow the Lord just continued to guide me towards vocational ministry of leading other people and helping them to experience God and grow in their faith and develop their uh, spiritual lives. So I I was, I didn't have any kind of vision or anything. I just felt God was leading me towards that, and I thought I'd be obedient with that. Okay. Now, do you find it fulfilling, taxing? Do you get angry? Are you, what is, you've been in it a few years. Yeah. Would you do it again? Oh yeah, without a doubt. No, no hesitation there. I love it. I love working with students. I uh, actually do like working with younger kids too. I don't have as much experience with them. You will, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now that <laughs> yeah. I got one, yeah. yeah, I got a little six-month-old, and so I've got a lot to learn. I know that. I that's the main thing. I know that I don't know it all. And so I try to continue to learn and develop myself so I can reach different people and reach students more effectively with the word of God and with an adult who loves them and cares for them. And so I love it. I actually try to be very patient. I don't, uh, I have a long fuse, I guess you could say. And, um, if I do get upset over something, it's usually, disrespectful students or something right. like on a trip or taking advantage of somebody something like that but i i love it still and i think it's uh, a fantastic job that i have that is really cool because i i get to spend every day preparing 
myself to prepare others for the work of the ministry in the world and pushing them to be light in their community. And the hardest part is trying to live it out myself, you know? Right. And what, what <laughs> habits, okay, now people in ministry, we're always dealing with those who seem to struggle. Mm. Yeah. After a while, like I remember I used to go home and joke with my wife saying, you know, this, this would be great if there, if it just were no people. Yeah. You know I mean? I, because it seemed like no matter where I turned, no matter what I was doing, all I was encountering was problems. Mm-hmm. And it, nobody ever came to me and said, this has been a great day. There are no problems. I really enjoy God and my family. And I think <laughs> I'm going to go home and enjoy a great meal. Nobody can, ever said that. You can retire if you ever hear that. Yeah, it's you've, like, you've succeeded. What, what in the world? How come every day I have all these issues that come up yeah. in ministry? Mm-hmm. Um how do you deal with that? I mean, what do you personally habit-wise do? I mean, I, I have habits I've had to develop through years, but what do you do in order to try and remain focused and excited about the fact that there's brokenness continually around yeah. you? Mm-hmm. I guess I would say if we're talking to other pastors or ministry leaders, I would say it's very important to take breaks from that and to step away from that consistently and regularly. I do a pretty good job throughout most of the year of taking like a day off every week. Um, I'm not like crazy about it, like can't have anything to do with church, but I do try to take a Sabbath where I um, detach from the work side of uh, ministry and just try to focus on my family, my relationship with God, even just doing things around the house or doing things I enjoy to separate myself from that and give my mind a break from that because I'm not, I'm not Jesus, and so I can't right. uh, continually listen to people's struggles and issues and not get overwhelmed with it. So yeah. that's one big thing I try to do is take consistent breaks. Um, it's nice to take a little break throughout the day, and I do that sometimes if I need to. Do you have but. daily habits you're into? For me, I I do I try to read the Word of God daily. Uh, I'm not perfect at that, but most days I do spend time in the Word. I spend time praying. I go for walks and use that as prayer time. Um, I listen to quite a bit of worship music or just Christian-based music, not all worship, just because right. I think there's a lot of stuff that glorifies God without it being a specific sure. like praise song. But um, those are some things I do spiritually, and then I, habits I guess I do on my own is spend time talking to my family and my friends about other parts of life, too. That's not just ministry-related. It's hard to do that sometimes when a lot of them are from my church, but talking about other aspects of life as well and sharing what I'm going through is helpful. Yeah. yeah. You know, I can remember when I was probably your age or around then, and I had couple small children and uh, I, I there were times where summer camp ministry was young and I the, it and it was endless yeah I mean there endless opportunities endless work endless mm-hmm. everything thankless endless yeah everything and there were times where I sat in my office where I need to get something done and I can remember once just crying out to God saying God when am I supposed to cut the lawn <laughs> you know I mean honestly yeah God, I'm supposed to do all these things. I'm supposed to love everyone who comes here. I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed mm-hmm. to do that. I'm supposed to love my wife, love my kids. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm coming <laughs> at them like, like I'm on the Three Stooges or something, saying something. And, 
And I remember sitting there that day because God always has a solution. Mm-hmm. And there's something that I'm not seeing that I need to see. Because it's not like God said, I want you to be frustrated with all the everything I give you to do. I want you to make it so that you can't do anything well. <laughs> you know, it's not like God's <laughs> yeah. plan. Yeah. Yet that's where I felt I was. Yeah. So I remember sitting down there, and it was, again, there was no audible anything or voice, but it was God in my heart saying, you know what, why don't you list the things in life? You're busy in a lot of things, so why don't you list everything that you think is worthy of your time? Just mm. list it. I mean, you got to put gas in the car, put it down. You know, you got to buy groceries, put it down. You got to cut grass. Okay, these are things you got to do. Yeah. These are, no one says they're evil. You just got to do them. Yeah. So, it, and in my head, I said, the things that I need to live for, what are those things? Um, and then, mm. you know, I thought, okay, that was a fruitless exercise. I, I, 15 minutes, I can never get back. And then, uh, and then it, it was like, okay, put another column there and put on the other side things that I would die for today, things mm. that I would just give my life for if I had to right now. I thought, well, that's a tougher question. Wow. Well, I would, yeah. I would give my life, and there were three things on the, on that side, it was, you know, I really enjoyed my time with God. I enjoyed being with my family, and and that was valuable. And I really felt called to this ministry. Mm-hmm. I said, so those are the three things I would die for. And I got silent. I thought, you know, God, I don't know how I'm going to do it. But I'm going to live for those three things. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the stuff, if it doesn't get done, it doesn't get done. But I'm going to live for those three things. Yeah. And that has helped me all this, all through the years now to focus and, and figure out what's important and what isn't. My grass is not uh, perfect. Yeah. Uh, in fact, it's far from perfect. But it's got, in fact, I bought weed seed to try and get it green. You know, I mean, I, yeah. I don't really care. I'm not going to put the time into it. Yeah. It's not that it's evil that people do that. It's just, you know, and then I had to figure out, okay, you know, I know I need to spend time with you, God, but I have two kids that crawl all over me. Yeah. I have you know, I, a wife that I should be spending time with. I, I have ministry that I should be spending time with. Yeah. Where do I get this time to do this where it makes sense? And I developed into a, a very early morning person at that point. Mm. Because, again, in my head I thought, well, there's time in life that is less convenient to me, but it's early in the morning and my kids don't get up till this time. Yeah. So I started to meet with God early in the morning. Mm-hmm. And you know, what's, you know what's significant about that, Jeremy? When my daughter was in college, one of them, she used to send some papers home for my wife to prove for something. I, I don't remember. Or yeah. after they were, I, I can't remember what. But in one of them, she was talking about being influenced. And one of the things that influenced her profoundly was the fact that no matter when she got out of bed, dad was sitting in that brown chair hmm. reading. Yeah. And that influenced her. That's pretty cool. And I thought, you know, that wasn't the point of that. Yeah. <laughs> but I had to figure, God, I, I got to the point as a dad, as a husband, where I thought, you know, God, I need to learn to really die to myself. Hmm. I would rather not do it this way, only because it's more comfortable not to. Yeah. But I keep saying this is important, but I don't want to make any sacrifices to get it. Mm. Yeah, and I thought that can't be. I need to do whatever I need to do to have these three things work. Yeah, and now I I say now life is seasonal, so it's you know I have nobody at home but my wife and I, and we're both 
married 40-some years. We pretty much got routines down, and I get plenty of time to read. Yeah. So, I mean, life changes. Yeah. Um, so when your daughters would get up, was that a time – like you were almost done or you timed, so you were almost done there or was that a time where they would not disturb you? Well, I think, you know, I'm trying to remember. My wife could tell you exactly because <laughs> my memory isn't as sharp mm. as it used to be. Um, we, used to, we used to very much teach our children that, you know, every day they needed to have, um, I forget what we called it, but a, a quiet time in the room, not Bible time or anything, but, you know, for about an hour. Mm. We wanted them to learn how to, uh, do things without us guiding them. Mm-hmm. And if I, I find a lot of times today, I was just talking to a young person uh, recently, and they're they should be doing life on their own. They can't. And I'm finding, yeah, parents were very controlling. They scheduled everything yeah. for them, <laughs> and now they're out of the house, and now they don't. They're waiting for somebody else to schedule their life. Yeah. And I'm thinking, okay. That's not a healthy thing to do. We we should be allowing our children. Uh, my dad, again, using him, it's the only example I have for dad. So yeah. uh, when my brother and I were young, he would tell us, you guys got to go out. I'm not letting you sit here and watch television all night. You go out and do something. We're in the city of Chicago. Hmm. And he's like, what? well, we became great garbage pickers. You know, till this day, my brother and I, are, are people laugh at us because there's something that we have in our house, something we're using, that we got out of the garbage somewhere, <laughs> you know, and, and, and we're still good at it. Mm-hmm. But this stuff, he was so supportive of our creativity. So we go out and, and we'd find, we used to make all kinds of bicycles. Mm-hmm. We find bicycle parts in the garbage, bikes mm-hmm. have, we'd take them all home, put the parts together. And if we were really missing something, he would notice that and say, why don't I go buy you a uh, you know, pedal or something, and and we get it together. Or we we once we found a go kart frame, so we brought that oh, home, and wow. we ended up building a go kart. None, neither of us knew anything about mechanics, but my dad was thrilled by it. You know, yeah. and it, we used to we used to do things boys did too that probably shouldn't have. Mm. We built. I still contend that my brother and I invented the skateboards. We just never knew anything about patenting because <laughs> there, there weren't any. Because Roller skates were the key for garbage. If you could find a roller skate, the stuff you could do with it was amazing. So we would take the wheels off the bottoms of the skates, mm-hmm. and we'd screw them to like two by fours, or we would screw them to plywood, and then we'd pull them with our bikes around the alleys, <laughs> you know, and that kind of stuff. And then we'd That's make awesome. these we'd make these scooters where we put the the wheels on the two by four, and go to the the grocery store and get one of those wooden um, orange crates. Mm-hmm. And then put two handles on it, and we'd go to the top of these hills uh, in Chicago, and we would race them down. And uh, that got us in trouble because there's cross traffic at the bottom. There's no brakes on these things, yeah. so we're weaving traffic when we get down there. And and uh, the police didn't like that one. Yeah. Um, but you know the the thing is, if you talk, you know my brother. Mm-hmm. I think you do. Yeah. Uh, to this day, both of us are very creative. Mm. It, you, we don't need someone around us to say. I got to help you figure out what to do. Yeah. Because my dad told us, you need to go and create constructive things to be about. Yeah. So he taught us how to do it in a way. Mm-hmm. And I think today uh, uh, there are many children, I think, that are overscheduled by parents, have no creativity whatsoever on their own. Even parents trying to be overly, you know, great parents. So we got everything, you know, lined up for them. Yeah. 
I so our kids they did spend time every day trying to you know fill their own space yeah. a little bit. That's good. And yeah, there when it starts, it's kind of hairy because yeah. like, what do I do? Yeah. <laughs> well, I can give you a list of options maybe, but yeah. I want you to learn how to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's cool. Always thinking. I I think any parent should be always thinking. What is the the future consequence of this particular habit? Mm-hmm. That I'm giving them. Yeah, I think that's hard to do because we equate our good parenthoodness with um, always scheduling something, mm-hmm. where maybe they need to schedule it and prepare for it. Maybe they need to, you know, plan the birthday party. Yeah, and they need to get all the supplies, and they need to, and you be there to support and back it up and have them all in the cabinet somewhere else because you know they're going to forget half the things they need to do. Mm-hmm. But then they learn from that. Yeah. And eventually, good for him. That was a good so just, just an idea. But yeah. the children in the morning, I think I got up early enough where if they did come out, they were groggy. <laughs> and I was, you know, I don't mind them crawling up on my lap and sitting there. And, yeah. You know, that was fine, too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if they started talking to me, I would put the Bible down. I, I didn't want them to ever think that it was God against them. Yeah. You know, so I, yeah, so I didn't want to, that's why I got up early Mm -hmm. because I didn't want them to feel that. I don't want my wife to feel that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so when can I, my wife, she can stay up later. I get up early Mm. so I can spend time just thinking and reading and writing. You know, the other habit I got into that's very valuable is my dad said this too. He said, always um, be ready to teach whatever you've learned. So everything I learn every morning, I put in a format where I can teach it somehow. Ah, wow. No matter what I've learned. So I have several formats. We were just talking, there's four podcasts. I do a lot of teaching. I'm an MBI teacher. Um, in fact, uh, Mike Jewell, who's sometimes on this program with me, keeps yeah. asking me, how do you produce all this stuff? Every morning I put something in a format. Yeah. And it could be, uh, I send out a, a, a talk for the day to people on email. Mm-hmm. That was an accident, how it started, but now been many years why because it's a format mm-hmm. so i if i really learn something i really learn it when i teach it or i put it in a format where i can teach it mm-hmm. now i have a pile of stuff i've never taught yeah i don't it's know if i ever right. will yeah but i have it and yeah. and i've learned it because i put it in that format yeah. so i would suggest to anyone make sure that you figure out you may have to do less in life. Yeah, I wasn't a big party animal, obviously. I wasn't somebody going on these huge vacations all the time. But I did arrange my day so that I could figure out how I could love God, love my wife, and love my kids. Yeah, And in the process then, put things in a format where I can love others because then God could send people my way and I could be ready to share something with them. Yeah, And it's amazing how many times God used that that's really cool. In the day or in the week or whatever else. Yeah. And seriously, now when I mentor a young guy from MBI, I tell him, I want you to be ready any day to speak. That's part of the prep I want you to have. Any day, if I say, you know what, this speaker for this weekend for this high school group didn't come, I want you to talk to him. I want you to say, good, I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> most of them are shaking their boots right away. It's like, no, it's not that really. I understand what you're saying, but. Get in the habit. Yeah. Um, 
which is is amazing than how much stuff you produce mm-hmm. yeah. you know down the road that i know a lot of it you might think's a waste but no that no for sense. me i mean when i'm doing it it's kind of, yeah. well, that'll never go anywhere yeah you know what i mean because sometimes in those moments you ask some really hard questions that you don't want to teach because mm-hmm. you're just not ready to deal with Yourself. whatever you're, you're still wondering about something yeah you know so it's like well i don't want to throw this one out necessarily unless it's the right crowd yeah um uh, like this summer i'm doing a what if series with the uh, you know volunteers and workers and, okay and i'm one of the things like it's from those mornings because i'm saying well what if what if it's possible that being a part of a church youth group could be as dangerous as being a part of the world groups <laughs> and they were going no we're supposed to i said no don't get i'm just saying what if because there really are you look at the book of jude there's people that are involved that shouldn't be involved there's people <laughs> you know so yeah. how do we recognize health and how do we how do we align ourselves so that we can be in the right place at the right time doing the right thing yeah. i mean just because you go to a church or a youth group doesn't mean that everybody in that youth group is somebody that you can trust oh yeah i definitely see that so how do you know just because they go in fact here's something you'll you appreciate this some of the young ladies you know you know they'll talk to you because you're like grandpa <laughs> whatever if they do talk about you know dating at all or whatever i'll i'll, I'll warn them i'll say you know First of all, I don't think you should ever date someone who's a non-believer. I mean, I, I don't think you yeah. should. But secondly, here's what happens, though, sometimes. If you did date a non-believer, your guard is up. Oh, yeah. But then you go date somebody from your church group and you get pregnant because your guard is down. Mm-hmm. Because you think that shouldn't happen here. Yeah. And you're not mentally prepared for the direction it went into. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm warning you about. You mm-hmm. need to be people who realize that there's a game that can be played and there's people who have genuine, real relationships that really care about you. Um, it's hard to see, but when people use what they should love and love what they should use, mm-hmm. we have trouble. Yeah. You as a person are not to be used. Yeah. You're to be loved. Money is not to be loved. Yeah. It's to be used. So sort those things out, talk to your leaders, figure out how you make these distinctions and make them so that you're not trapped down yeah. the road. Yeah. So, and maybe way too much information for anybody listening. No, that's but. a fantastic thought. Uh, something that came to mind is what, just thinking about your girls and raising them and help them just navigate different things and prepare them for life. Uh, a question came to mind that I have been praying for Kinsley, our daughter. Jess and I have been praying together for her that we would, that God would help us to trust Him with however He wants to use her. Right. Um, and that's that could go in a lot of different directions, and is a little scary. But we're asking now for faith and strength to trust Him in those moments. Do you have any? Uh, prayers or goals that you had when you were raising your daughters of things that you did or you prayed consistently for them or for yourself? You know, same that you were just talking about, only I, I realized one day it was all theoretical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> In other words, God, you can do anything you want with her. You know, she's yours. And yeah. all of a sudden she comes back from college and she says, Dad, 
I need to go to Honduras for two years. I said, really? And I'm thinking, okay. Mm -hmm. Almost a six foot blonde girl going to Honduras that doesn't speak Spanish. <laughs> Why? Yeah. She said, dad, I had this burden for um, kids who have no homes, they're street kids. I wanna learn how to help them. Wow. I thought, okay, Dave, how are you gonna argue this one? Yeah. <laughs> it's like There's not much arguing that. So I'm, I'm looking at her thinking, okay, you don't really have experience in this. You don't. So of course there were some details. There was a place, but so she did go down a little more than two years down into Honduras and served. Very cool. And um, and honestly, my wife has a picture of me saying goodbye to her at the airport the first time, and I don't think I've ever had tears in my eyes like that. Hmm. Because I was saying, God, what are you doing, God? I'm so proud of what she's doing. You yeah. know, I mean, it's like yeah. it was like conflicted. And, and I think you have to allow yourself to have those moments because I think God was teaching me hmm. about what I really believed and he was teaching her mm -hmm. that I really believed what I said I really believed yeah and teaching her too how to live by faith without mom and dad because she grew up in a home that lived by faith but it wasn't her faith at this point so yeah. she had to go somewhere I think where God made it hers wow and to this day, she has a tremendous heart for the Hispanic culture. Mm. She is a social worker in Milwaukee yeah. at a Hispanic school. And I'm telling you, she just has blossomed yeah. in what God did with her when she was in Honduras. Mm -hmm. And I think, okay, that was honestly, as a father, one of the hardest things that we had to approve. Yeah. And whether I approved them or not, she was an adult, she was going to go. Yeah. And I needed to support her, even though every dad gene was going, no, yeah. you're not going there. Not a chance. Yeah. Not, there's no way. Yeah. Um, but she'll tell you that experience changed her life uh, for a positive, mm -hmm. and God used it. And, you know, I think that as you and your wife pray for your daughter, you, you begin to say, okay, God, today these are words. Mm-hmm. Do I really believe him, God? Yeah. Would you help me have a real faith? Yeah. Because down the road, all of it is tested, all of it. Mm -hmm. Everything you believe will be tested. Yeah. And either you know God. So many times, again, I keep throwing these little one-liners at you, but things that help me when somebody comes and they're, they're thinking through, they're disappointed in God. Mm -hmm. And I have a quick thing that I tell them. I say, well, if you are disappointed, you don't know him. Yeah. And immediately back off. And I say, no, really, that's it. You just hmm. don't know him. Everything goes back to knowing God. You can actually trust him. Yeah. And so I encourage people that are listening, don't be ashamed of the fact that you struggle with feeling good about things you don't know. Yeah. But feel good about the fact of who you know and that God loves you and will take care of things way beyond anything you could ever imagine. I don't know how that always works out, but one day with that attitude, I know that I'll face God and he'll say, that's how it worked out. Mm -hmm. And um, and that's always where the rubber meets the road. You want your children to have genuine faith, yeah. so you should have it and then demonstrate it. And it's okay to be conflicted, go ahead and cry. Yeah, um, I've they need to see that. that. Yeah. yeah, much yeah. more than in the past. Yeah.
Well, you've been listening to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager. I'm here with Jeremy Nelson. I thank you for listening. If you want more information on Nicolay Bible Institute, go to silverbirchranch.org. You can find it there. Goodbye for now.